Hi, Pottercast listeners. Melissa here. John, Frankie, Zach, and I are taking a little holiday break. So we thought it was high time, especially for those of you who are new, that we replayed what we will always consider our most exciting episode ever, our complete interview with J.K. Rowling. I imagine it, well, there's a a huge parallel. Splitting the atom would be a very good parallel in our world. Something that people imagined might be able to be done but couldn't quite bring it off. and And then people started doing it with sometimes catastrophic effects. So that's how I see the Horcrux. He needed to understand, I think, and does completely understand and did completely understand what, where this bitterness towards this boy who's living proof of her preference for another man came from. This was taped in late 2007, less than six months after the publication of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which means we were hashing through a lot of interesting theories and discussions with Joe, and it was one of the first times she was able to discuss the series without holding anything back. Some of these things are now proving relevant as we talk about Fantastic Beasts. The Pottercasters at the time were John Noe, Sue Upton, and myself. You'll also hear discussion of an auction. This was taped the day that Joe's Tales of Beetle the Bard copy went on auction and raised two million pounds for charity, and Joe was a little bit excited about it. So enjoy. One last bit of housekeeping before I go. Thank you all so much for reminding us that you still listen to and enjoy the show after all these years. Please drop us a line or a comment or a theory at staff at pottercast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pottercast. And though we told you it was happening last time, we can now officially say that our Patreon page is up. We didn't even tweet this link, but a bunch of you found it already and became supporters. Thank you so much. It's just the beginning of the community there. and We're going to have a lot of fun. If you'd like to support the show, please do so at patreon.com slash pottercast. We appreciate any level of support and we appreciate just you listening. Please only support if you have the means to do so. And if you do, thank you so much. We look forward to having a lot of fun inside that community. In the meantime, we hope you are all enjoying a safe, warm, special holiday, and we're looking forward to a full year of Potter Podcasting in 2017. Now enjoy this truly momentous talk with the one and only J.K. Rowling. space fashion about you doing that intro one day. Do you know what my favorite bit was? Melissa, when you posted the thing about anyone got extra questions, what loose ends would you like tied up? And the very first comment was, yeah, "Yeah, that's a strange strange thing to ask us, Melissa. (laughs) Almost like someone was coming on who could answer those questions. I really liked that. And I have to, I'm glad you brought it up because I have to apologize to the reader of our site called yes. Limbus XL who mm-hmm. actually said that. And I actually quote, came the closest to lying that I've yeah. ever done on Leaky when I told everybody like, calm down. We'd tell you if it was Joe. Everybody relax. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa and Nelly, you filthy, filthy liar. Yes. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Previously respected web mistress. yeah no more i hand it all in i'm done oh gosh but we wanted we wanted to save the surprise and joe that that's what this hopefully is a nice pre-christmas surprise for for everybody so i'm just more i'm so i'm more excited than anything that john and sue now have have the chance to get in Mm -hmm. to hear and uh yes talk we're we're gonna give it a shot i was stunned silly the last time i saw her i could hardly say anything but oh you were i can't really see her right now so 
Oh, uh, you're, you're missing nothing. I tell you, I'm not looking good at the moment. A couple, I think, a couple of weeks of Christmas shopping and a lot of he- really hectic life has taken it out of me. And you've had quite anyway. a banner day already oh, with the auction too and everything. It's just been amazing for Mr. Beetle. The- I'm, I, I feel kind of shell shocked at the moment. We just watched the auction live. This is of um, Beetle the Bard. In case anyone doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, and uh, yeah, it went for one point nine five. A million pounds, and I can't, I can't, um, I can't tell you what that means. It's unbelievable. It's just, it's just, uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really staggered, and I'm so excited. It's going to mean, it's just going to make make a really big difference to the charity, and it, and also, and it was a means of raising awareness of the charity, which was at least as important as the money. So it's really done that job. It's, oh God, I'm so happy. Can't tell you. Oh, well, it's just brilliant. And, and you know, but we're all so curious, though, Joe. Is there any little tidbits that you can reveal now? What about Beetle the Bard, the mm-hmm. stories thereof? Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you, I let's think. Wizards and the Hopping Pot yes. is kind of a, it's, it's the moral, really, is it's to teach young wizards and witches that they should be using their magic altruistically. Oh, okay. um, then Fountain of Fair Fortune is my favorite one, oh. and that's really about the qualities you need to achieve your heart's desire and the moral being that magic ultimately is not the best weapon warlock's hairy heart is really it's quite gothic it's quite dark that one and voldemort would have done well to know that story before he set out on his campaign of terror uh babbity rabbity and her cackling stump is the stupidest title ever written by (laughs) man or beast and of course when i wrote it i never i had not at the point when i gave ron that title I didn't imagine for a second that I was actually going to write the story. Yeah. And I did have a small, there was this kind of margin of time where I could have, where I, where I knew I was going to write Beetle the Bard and the book wasn't published. We were still editing and I could have gone back and changed the titles. And I, I, I really liked the idea of keeping those titles and then finding out what the stories were. So, but Babbity Rabbity was, a, was a challenge. Uh, <laughs> but I did get there and it's a story about revenge, one witch's sort of cunning way of revenging herself for personal persecution for muggle persecution and then you know the tale of the three Mm. brothers yeah which is the last one in the book so i've just given them to you chronologically as they appear in the book i loved writing them i I really really loved writing them but i have to say that before i had the idea of of producing the books to say thank you to these key people i um, (laughs) am i imagine there would be like about 30 tales of beetle the bard and after i had the idea of writing them out by hand (laughs) seven times turned out there were just the five yeah (laughs) Yeah, and I can't thank you enough for that copy, Joe. I've been reading it to the girls here over the weeks. And yeah, did you like it? The, the diamond-encrusted version? It was amazing, and, and you know, the cover was beautiful. I, you, you don't think it's a bit too bling? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I have a lot of that stuff on my wall uh-huh. already, so it just kind of fit right in perfectly. John, it was my pleasure. So Thank you thank you for oh, the inspiration. <laughs> it was a pleasure to read it. You know, I do what I could. So. And, and did you like the dedication? You were right all along about Hawkery. Oh, no! Oh, there's that no, word. Nobody would believe me. <laughs> well, I did. I, oh, he's never going to let it stop. I did write him a letter and I did say that actually Hawkery is, I mean, it occurred to me, you know, it, it really would have been, I think, a more correct plural, but I already had him fairy and I didn't want to have too many, um, you know, dark arts weapons ending in our eyes. So it was a, it was a kind of stylistic choice, really. I like Horcruxes as a plural. It's grown on me as too. As a linguist. Oh, thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> 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 See, this is why I give him copies of the Beetle the Bard. He's a generous man. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
Oh, Joe, but that, those horcruxes, though, I tell you, uh, there's so much to ask still about those, you know? I mean, who, okay, we have to know, who created the first horcrux? Was it Grindelwald? Salazar? Who did that? Do you know yeah. what? I, I got a feeling it was Herpo, which oh. is H-E-R-P-O. I, th- I, th- Herpo, I think I call him Herpo that- the Fowl. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, wizards would have been looking for ways to do exactly what Voldemort did for years, and some of the, some of the ways they would have tried would have killed them. Um, so you need. So I, I, I imagine it. Well, there's a, there are huge parallels. Splitting the atom would be a very good parallel in our world. Something that people imagine might be able to be done, but couldn't quite bring it off. And then, and then people started doing it with sometimes catastrophic effects. So that's how I see the Horcrux. Right, because you said that Tom Riddle said there had been, or Dumbledore did. Somebody said that there was only one person. Slughorn. And we were just yeah, but you, you know, yeah, but I would imagine that other people, you know, other people are going to have tried. I mean, I, I think it would be naive not to think that people have been trying for a long time and and thought they succeeded and hadn't, or else, or else, you know, maimed themselves or killed themselves in the attempt. It's such a dangerous thing to do. Oh, evil thing, you know, just yeah. What is the process? Do you? Is there a spell? Is there a what do they have to do? I see it as a as a series of 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 things you have would have to do. So you would have to perform a spell, but you would also. I, I don't even know if I want to say it out loud. I yeah. know that sounds funny, but I did. I did really think it through. There are two things that I think are too horrible actually to go into detail about. <laughs> One of them is uh, how Pettigrew brought Voldemort back into a rudimentary body. Yeah. Because I told my editor what I thought happened there and she looked as though she was going to vomit. And then, and the other thing is how you make a horcrux. And I don't even like, I don't, I don't know. Will it be an encyclopedia? I don't know if I can bring myself to, um, I don't know. Oh, Joe, you mentioned well, I, the E word. Encyclopedia. Oh, the, oh, God, yeah. God, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, we should call it something like the Scottish book. Yeah. <laughs> the Scottish book. Oh, jeez. You don't well, want to curse yeah. it now, Joe. It well, must not be mentioned live on air. Yeah, exactly. We can't wait for that. We, we, hope you, we hope you get on that as soon as you feel comfortable doing so. Yeah. That, it's would, not like, would it be okay if that's 10 years? No one laughed. Around. <laughs> no, one laughed. <laughs> no, listen, I, I absolutely do intend to do it, but I, I, you know, I can't pretend that I'm, I'm in, in a hurry right now. It's, it's going to be a hell of a lot of work, but I have, you know, I've kept everything and it's, I know where things are and yeah, at some point I will, I will get myself together and do it. I was going to offer, just in case you needed help on that particular chapter, um, I've got a lot of baby pictures and childhood anecdotes for the oh, dolls no. chapter. Here we go. That might just help fill things in a little bit. You know what? Again, John, you're always there when I need you. That's great. That would be great. <laughs> you, know. you know, Joe, he, he idolizes a, a, a man, an R, got, who got pwned by an old lady wearing a dead bird on her head, you know, in her hat. Now, come on. <laughs> You no. guys, now they don't understand this, Joe. I, I know, I know. We've talked about this. <laughs> they don't understand the night that that this. They call it a duel. It wasn't a duel, at least in my mind, anyway. I, I I think it needs a little explaining of how somebody as you know as skillful as Dawlish, you know, could have yeah you know you know got taken down like this. John, <laughs> and feel free to let all the air out of my cells. That's Listen, fine. Listen, John maintains like. that she sucker punched You know what? I, yeah, she sucker spelled. I find them. it so incredibly endearing that you like Don Dawlish, <laughs> and that's why his his name is now John Dawlish, as we know. In tribute to you, and that will indeed be a note in the encyclopedia oh my or the God. Scottish book, as we are now calling it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Dawlish had to be good. He had to be good because he, he became an aura. There's, there's no denying that. But he has his weaknesses and Dumbledore knew how to exploit them. You know, oh. and, I, and let's face it, anyone, anyone going up to Dumbledore pre-trying on the Horcrux, pre-maiming his hand, anyone is going to be in trouble going up against Dumbledore. Even Voldemort didn't want to do it. So it's no dishonor to Dawlish. Well, certainly. But was was Dumbledore involved in in weakening? I mean, they said him. it was Mrs. Longbottom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I'm after so you know. By the time by the time Augusta Longbottom got to him, he had been. Oh, right. Several people oh. had uh, had uh, attacked Dawlish. I mean, I think he was a bit punch drunk by that point. <laughs> you know, he had become a favorite um, a, fa- a favorite punch bag of the Order of the Phoenix by then. So uh, I. I don't think he was firing on all cylinders, but um, but no, I, I really saw Mrs. Longbottom as a as a powerful witch. Yes. So, yes. Um, sorry. I suppose. Do you know I I went down to Leavesden recently and I saw um, Michael Gambon with his uh, with his withered hand. That was quite exciting. Yeah. Gosh. There was just a funny report about Michael Gambon, and we're pretty sure he was joking about, about that he, he had was scandalized to learn that one of his lines was lifted directly from the book and was <laughs> railing around cursing and throwing things. How dare they use your He's, words, Joe? <laughs> listen, my, Michael has a very good, very good and very dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should really, he's a, yeah, he's a funny man. And you should bear that in mind and not, and not take things as they may appear flat on the page. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Dumbledore, mm, yeah, we, we want to talk about Dumbledore so bad. We know that you've created worldwide intrigue when you said that he's gay, yeah. but I wanted to ask you about homosexuality in the wizarding world in general. Is it a taboo? Now that's something I never thought of. I, I would think that, that would be, it would be exactly what it is in the muggle world. But the greatest taboo in the, in the wizarding world is, well, for some wizards, I mean, if we're talking about prejudiced people within the wizarding world, what they care most about is your blood status. So I think you could be um, gay, pure blood, and totally without any kind of criticism from the, from the Lucius Malfoys of the world. I don't think that would be something that would interest him in the slightest. But, you know, I, I can't answer for all witches and wizards because I think on in matters of um, the heart, it would be directly parallel to our world. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, the, the reaction was so astronomical to that. Well, I, you know, I said it to you, Melissa, before, I think that um, to me it's wrong not to answer a question honestly. I just think that's immoral. And I was asked that question by uh, a young woman at Carnegie Hall who prefaced her question by saying, these books have helped me be more fully myself. Well, I mean, that's just one of the most wonderful things anyone has ever said to me about the books. And then she asked, has Dumbledore ever been in love? Now, I, you know, so I was absolutely honest about how I saw the character. I always imagined that Dumbledore was gay. Um, How relevant is that to the books? Well, it's only relevant if you considered that his feelings for Grindelwald, as revealed in the seventh book, were an infatuation rather than a straightforward friendship. That's how I think, in fact, that I know that some perhaps sensitive adult readers had already seen that. I don't, th- I don't think that came as a big surprise to some adult readers. I think a child would see a friendship and a, and a very devoted friendship, but th- these things also occur. So I... How relevant is it? Well, to me, it was only relevant in as much as Dumbledore, who was the great 
um, defender of love and, the, and, and who sincerely believed that love was the greatest, most powerful force in the universe, was himself made a fool of by love. That, to me, was the interesting point, that in his youth, he, was, he became infatuated with a man who was almost his dark twin. He was as brilliant, he was morally bankrupt, and Dumbledore lost his moral compass. He wanted to believe that Grindelwald was what he wanted him to be, which I think is what particularly a young person's love tends to do. We fill in uh, the blanks in, in the beloved's uh, personality with the virtues we, we would like them to have. So Dumbledore was wrong and his judgment was entirely, was very suspect at that time. And of course, it was more than being infatuated. Grindelwald appeared to be offering him a solution to this horrible dilemma. I mean, Dumbledore was not cu cut out to his shame to be a carer. He was cut out to go out onto the world stage and be a brilliant man. He knows that about himself and he's ashamed of it. So it's a complicated issue. But yeah, I, that's the way I always saw Dumbledore. It wasn't a particularly big deal to me. And I had never once before been asked at an event about Dumbledore's romantic life. I'd been asked other things about him. But I have to say that until... Hallows was published. People were mostly interested in the trio's futures and Dumbledore's backstory. In fact, I remember, Melissa, when you and Emerson uh, interviewed me after Half-Blood Prince was published, we were talking about what fans should be asking. And I said, Dumbledore's family. I didn't want to say Dumbledore's past, but, Dum you know, Dumbledore's family would be a profitable line of inquiry because I always knew that he had this this tragic story from his from his late teens there that was a long answer no it was brilliant but, but it was a full answer oh we love full answers uh, you know i i guess you know oh, people are gonna yell at me like you care come on okay i, I mean right. we love when he starts I, sentences that way <laughs> just trying to save a little face i know a few people out there have been wondering if uh madam hooch had ever been in love <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Madam Hooch really did not have any kind of romantic backstory. <laughs> well, not of my invention. I don't know. We'd have to go and trawl the fanfic for that. <laughs> I'm sure we'd yeah. find it, Joe. Yeah, I, I bet we would. <laughs> I think there's categories of it, actually. Yeah. So we were talking about ships, though. Can we talk about romance? Romance at all? Yeah, we can talk about romance. I don't know. The last time we did this, Joe, quite a lot of hubbub followed. Really? <laughs> you know. But it's <laughs> fun. It's fun hubbub. Yes, yeah, fun. okay. But before before we get too into romance, I wanted to get something oh, okay. cleared up. Okay. After we came back from Carnegie Hall, we brought back your message of Harry is kind of not really a Horcrux. And I don't oh, want to yeah. dwell too long on Horcruxes, but I'd love to hear you talking about how he is or isn't or wasn't. Well... I'll I tell you, I, do you know what? This will not end the discussion. I am, I, you know, no. I, am, I know that and you know that. But here is here is the thing. For convenience, I had Dumbledore say to Harry, you were the Horcrux he never meant to make. But I think by definition, a Horcrux has to be made intentionally. So, because Voldemort never went through the grotesque process that I imagine creates a Horcrux with Harry. Mm -hmm. It was just that he had destabilized his soul so much that it split when he was hit by the backfiring um, curse. And so this 
part of it flies off and attaches to the only living thing in the room and part of it flees in the very close to death, the limbo state that uh, Voldemort then goes on and exists in. I, su- I suppose it's very close to being a Horcrux, but Harry was not, did not become an evil object. He wasn't, he didn't have curses upon him that, that the other Horcruxes had. He himself was not contaminated by carrying this bit of parasitic soul. The only time he ever felt it stirring and moving was in, the, in Order of the Phoenix when he himself goes through a very dark time and there's a moment where he's looking at Dumbledore and he feels something rear like a snake inside him and of course at those times it's because the, the piece of soul inside him is is feeding off his emotions he's he's going through a dark time and that piece of soul is enjoying it and making its presence felt but he doesn't know what he's feeling of course also i i always imagine that the sorting hat detected the presence of that of that piece of yeah. soul when uh, when harry first tried it on because it you know it's strongly tempted to put him in Slytherin so that's how I wow. see it now I know that won't end that won't end the debate but I do think that the strict definition of Horcrux once I write the Scottish book will have to be given <laughs> yes. and that the definition will be that a receptacle is prepared by dark magic to become the receptacle of a fragmented piece of soul and that that piece of soul was deliberately detached from the master soul to act as a future safeguard or anchor to life and a safeguard against death. So I, that doesn't really clear anything yeah. up. I think that's, well, I think it, it, oh, it, 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 it elucidates what I yeah. believe, but I don't think it's necessarily yeah. going to um, convince people who have a strong feeling one way or the other on the matter. You know what? That's been the case with most of Harry Potter. <laughs> I give my explanation yeah. and it just fuels more debate. Okay. I, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about that just a second ago, I had just been reading um, Philosopher's Stone. There was a chapter when Harry goes to sleep for the first time. And uh, he's in his dormitory and he has a dream that you wrote he never remembers again. And it was being tempted, you know, go to Slytherin. I thought maybe at that point that might have also been that little piece of Voldemort in there wreaking havoc on his dreams really early on. Well, of course, the pain he feels whenever Voldemort is particularly active is this piece of soul seeking to, to rejoin the, the master soul. When his scar is hurting him so much, that's not scar tissue hurting him. That's this piece of soul really wanting to get back out the way it, the, the way it entered. You know, it, it really wants to, you know, it, it, it entered this boy's body through a wound and it, it wants to, it wants to rejoin the, the master. So when Voldemort's near him, when he's particularly active, this, this mm, connection, oh my God. it was always there. That's what I always imagined this pain was. Yes. So there you go. There's a moment when, when Dumbledore casts a charm and you see a two-headed snake split. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, in essence, five. divided? Yeah. That's in his office, yeah, right? It's in, in, it's in Dumbledore's divided. office and he suddenly does these strange, um, he, he performs this strange piece of magic in which he watches images and these are his, and the snake dividing, that's the way he sees Voldemort's soul di- dividing. So he's, he's, he's playing through his own theory about what's happened and his theory is, of course, correct. That, that um, Voldemort, as summed up by the snake, divided. So Harry never understood what the two-headed snake was all about, but that's what it, that's what it was. You know, you just answered a question that people have been asking about, talking about that essence divided, what that meant. So, in essence yes. divided, you, exactly. In the essence yeah. being the soul. So Dumbledore yeah. knew all along that he, he's, he must have, well, he suspected until Chamber of Secrets. And then at the point where he saw what was clearly the remains of a Horcrux, in other words, the diary, he thinks, okay, there you go. And not only has he definitely done it, but he's got to have more than one because he's treated this one very casually. So it's, can I ask this? This is kind of a random question, but if, if Harry had this, this Horcrux in him, 
sort of. Would he have actually have died, like say when the dragon could have killed him or when he was falling during Quidditch or anything? Could he have actually died? Well, you've died? got to, if his body had been irreparably destroyed, yeah. It, yeah. he has to die to get rid of that piece of soul. He's got to, his body has got to be irreparably damaged. So a lot of people asked, and I, I think I've answered this since, but a lot of people immediately said, having finished Hallows, <gasps> but then yeah. that means in Chamber of Secrets when, you know, he was pierced by the basilisk. Oh, right. uh, but no, 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 he didn't die. He didn't die. That was yeah. stated right in the beginning with the Horcrux. The receptacle has got to be destroyed. His body wasn't destroyed. He got a bit poisoned and then he got the antidote immediately. So, you know, it's that, that's not going to drive out this piece of soul. Sorry if I sound frustrated, but occasionally, no, no, that's here you know that's what? Awesome. occasionally, yeah. you, you know, you, you feel some frustration in that people, please just read the book because it's there and then ask, <laughs> you know, ask something that's not there. That would be, you know, which plenty of people do. Don't get me wrong. But on that one, I felt there was a certain feeling of God. weariness. <laughs> Now I'm nervous. No, 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 don't be nervous. It was, yeah, but because I was so careful with, with this stuff and it's, I don't know if you've seen on my website, I recently did a small number of updates and yes, thank you. one of the things on there was, um, it's about the end and how Harry survived right at the end, that fight when he, he doesn't fight and Voldemort uses the killing curse on him. Well, like, it was important for me to say on the website, I never saw this I, as in, as in the finale the finale of the denouement, the moment when Harry faces Voldemort, is prepared to die, and it doesn't die. That isn't a, like a scientific equation. Harry, it, it's not guaranteed. There has to be space to make Harry truly heroic for free will. It has to be his choice. The whole thing's his choice. He chooses to sacrifice himself, just as Lily chose to sacrifice herself. He chooses to pull himself back to life, and that's his, you know, his own will and courage. So ultimately, those things, all of them, were more important than the magic. Wow. My brain is firing in so many different directions right now because I, I got like a questions. thousand questions. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting here biting my tongue. Because I, I like want to ask you about your website and then I want to ask you about love. And it's just like, yeah, we were, we were going to talk oh. about romance and then we got sidetracked. Yeah, sorry. I am no Ravenclaw and I, I read these books just because I love them and I, I'm in just and I'm enamored of the world that you've created. And, and the you. one character I do see in myself is someone named Neville Longbottom. I love and Neville. Neville. I love Neville so much. Always loved Neville. And I always saw, and I always had big plans for Neville, you know? And he, he really was the boy it could have been. Because as you know, as I make clear, he was born hours before Harry. He was born on the 30th of July. Voldemort singled him out as the other possibility. But the great thing about Neville's story for me, the, the overarching story about Neville, is that he proves himself to be a boy who could have done it too. Yeah, Harry had the scar and arguably Harry had an edge more talent because Harry, he has an extraordinary instinct for the right thing to do. He's, he's just got the right instinct and that's what would make him in due course a phenomenal aura. But Neville was, I think, amazing in the final battle and proved yes. himself a hundred times over worthy of being a Gryffindor, his, his parents' son, despite the very difficult childhood that he had at the hands of his very pushy grandmother. And I know she loves him and he loves her, but she's not an easy person to, to be raised no. by. So yeah, so that for me was the big thing about Neville. He was, uh, he's not on a surface. I suppose he's not as cool when it comes right down to it. Although Harry, of course, yeah. made himself cool. He was a scrawny little yeah. kid in glasses and he comes through <laughs> and becomes, he becomes the guy everyone wants to know. Yeah. 
You know, the scene, you've written so many brilliant scenes, but I, I personally think one of your most powerful you. scenes was when Neville goes into St. Mungo's. And I, and I understood when I was listening to that scene that Neville probably never had the love of his mom and understood that, like, hugs, you know, all he got were these Yeah, rappers. all he got were these elderly relatives who just wanted him to match up. Why aren't, why aren't you matching up? And I, the trouble is, I think, that they would be the kind of people who forget what, what being young is like and want him to be, imagine themselves to have been prodigies and, and expect him to match up to really an impossible standard. So I, feel, I felt so sorry for Neville from the word go, but I knew that he was going to have a comparable journey to, to Harry's, and he, and he does. And bizarrely, Matthew Lewis, who plays Neville, yeah. has undergone a, biz, a bigger physical transformation yes. than any yeah. other person who works on those films to the point that when yeah. I went to the read-through of Half-Blood Prince that yeah. we were all sitting in this great square all they put all the tables from the great hall into this big square so everyone's facing inwards for the read-through and facing me cool. were Dan and Rupert and Emma and Ivana and Bonnie and you know the, the main lot and then there's this really big cool guy sitting there with a bit of stubble yeah. and wearing this woolen hat and a leather jacket and I didn't recognize him and my eyes pass on and I, I sort of thought oh that'll be the guy they've got playing McLaggen you know yeah. And then I thought, where's, where's Matthew? And awesome. I looked back and, my God, when did that happen? So he's, he's really a very cool dude. And, um, yeah, yeah. He's, I, he, he, they, he and Devon and Ivana and Bonnie all came to my um, reception for uh, Beadle the Bard last Monday. It was great to see them. It was so nice. Oh, that's so cool. cool. Yeah. Can, can we just ask a kind of sad thing, though? What did the Longbottoms do that they earned that wrath from Bellatrix? Such, you know, there were three times like the, the Potters. They were efficient. The Dark Lord. They, they were efficient. Mm-hmm. That's all they needed to be to earn her wrath. They, were, they had rounded up Death Eaters. They were very good auras. They knew what they were doing. They were responsible for a lot of, um, a, a lot of captures and, and arrests and imprisonments. And uh, so there you are. What about the three times, the thrice defying of Voldemort? Of James and Lily? Of uh, Neville's parents. Well, James and Lily too. Well, I mean, it depends how you take um, defying, doesn't it? I mean, if you're counting, well, which I do, um, anytime you arrested one of his henchmen, um, anytime you escaped him, anytime you thwarted him, that's what he's looking for. And both couples qualified because they were both fighting. Also, James and Lily turned him down. That's established in Philosopher's Stone. He wanted them, and they and, wow. they, wouldn't, and they wouldn't come over. So that's that's one strike against them before they were even out of their teens. Rock. It was so cool. I was glad to hear more about them the night of their murder in in Deathly Hallows, but. There's still a little bit of uh, confusion about that 24 hours, Joe. <laughs> and then, how did Dumbledore find out what happened in Godric's Hollow? And what happened? There's this whole 24 hours that's like people have been fantasizing about for, for years. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I've got a bit of a problem with this myself because every time I think it's straight in my head, I go back and look at what the fans are theorizing about and I think, yeah, maybe they've got a point. Um, Dumbledore, well, there, there's an easy answer to how would Dumbledore know because you can, he, you can, one can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me if I speak as though it's all real for a moment. Um, <clears throat> it is real. What do you mean it's not? <laughs> That's how we all do it. I know, exactly. That's how I feel as well. Yeah, so, okay. Obviously, Dumbledore could cast a charm on a dwelling that would, that would immediately alert him if, if something happened to it. So he, uh. he could know instantaneously. That's not a problem um, at all. And then he could dispatch Hagrid and so on. But um, I think the Scottish book will have to answer that question. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to really go back through notes and either admit that I lost 24 hours, or yeah. I don't know, hurriedly come up with some backstory to fill it. 
Either way, you you either get to be right or you get more stories, so you can't complain. Okay. No. And uh, now, now I have to ask, uh-huh. and oh, I don't know if it's something that you that that you have probably haven't even decided it yet. But uh, when when you do go back and you do, you know, in ten years so be it, mm-hmm. do the Scottish book. <laughs> are you thinking more in line of a like a like a like an account of of events or more like like small small stories for things? Well, to be honest, John, at the moment. But I'm not going to say don't hold me to this, but, you know, I'm just going to say this might change. But I imagined it as half of it. I mean, maybe on facing pages, but that might be difficult to do just through layout. But the ideal would be to have, say, on the left hand side, you've got a page showing all your backstory, extra details on characters or an entry on wands showing what every character's wand was and all of this stuff. Mm. And then I think mm-hmm. also it might be interesting to have information about the actual writing and what I discarded. So on one side, it's acting as though the whole world is true and I'm giving you extra information on that real world. And yeah. on the other yeah. side, we're admitting that it's actually a fiction and I'm showing, yeah, discarded plots, characters that didn't make it, problems in the plot. I think, I think both lots of information are interesting. So it would be, it would be nice to unite both of them. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. You know, that, that sounds like, like a student's textbook. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, in, in the margins they have, you know, <laughs> fact tables and things. And then there's also like snippets of stories that they rescued from things. And then. Well, exactly. To be honest, I think the only, the point of doing it, if I'm going to do it, it's about doing the absolute definitive giving people everything guide. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything. Could I ever give everything? But everything that I've got, put it that way. That's what I would aspire to at the moment. It might, for practical reasons, not be possible to do both sets of information in that way, but I, I would like to. That would be the ideal. I yeah. think fans would wait 10 years for something yeah. like that. Oh, well, if that's, if that's the case, then I'm delighted because I don't... You know, what I really... I mean, I don't want to get into... God knows, I do not, this near Christmas, want to talk about legal stuff. It's just too depressing. But I think there's no point me doing it unless it's 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 amazing. I think there's no point me writing it unless it is everything. And the last thing I want to do is to feel that I have to rush something out because, do you know what I mean? My hand has been forced or I've got to rush it out because there's demand and other people will fill it first. I, I think I just, I want to do it right or not do it at all. And, and I really do want to do it right. Well, I'll wait 10 years if you give me a little bit of the history of Hufflepuff and then, and then I'll be just happy. Camper. Yeah, well, I would definitely, you know, that's um, <laughs> oh, all of it. Yeah. Oh, Hufflepuff. It's been 130 or some weeks and we've managed to get you on the show. So, I mean, 10 years, what's it matter? Yeah, what's we it got, matter? Uh, <laughs> that's the spirit, John. No. I don't know. You guys are being very permissive about this whole 10 years thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's not expand that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Since you mentioned Hufflepuff, I want to ask a, a sort of specific question about, about Hannah. Yes. Hannah. Hannah Abbott. The, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I like There's her. a line in Deathly Hollows when Harry yeah. sees the uh, someone that he thinks might be Hannah Abbott's long lost relatives. What's her deal? Is she a muggle-born? Is she, did she lose oh, her family? Oh, you mean the grave? Yeah. Uh, no, she's she's not Muggle-born. She's no. I'm pretty sure Hannah's a, a pure blood. I know her mother died. In an old documentary, you showed a picture that had like all the the, the family associations, and Hannah appeared to be Muggle blood in the in Did the fan's she? careful deconstruction. Because of I that tell picture. you what, if that's the case, I've, I've got that notebook, and that's one of my cornerstone notebooks. In that case, then I have been misremembering that because I thought she was pure blood. But mm, interesting. Because hmm. I've I've oh, certainly I've certainly written about her and thought about her 
for mm-hmm. years now as as pure blood. So that's interesting. <laughs> Maybe we'll just split the difference and call her half blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how decisions are taken in the fairly random world of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I didn't care though because Hannah goes on to become landlady at the Leaky Cauldron, my favorite pub, and I was damn right she does. And I think that's a very cool. I think that's a pretty cool career, and I think that makes Neville quite yeah. cool that he married her. Don't yes, you think? it does. Woo-hoo! Yeah. Oh yes, thank you, <laughs> thank yes. you, Joe. I my loved pleasure. It. You know, I love your website. You made Hufflepuff, and you know, when you did the four founders, and, and you had all that stuff. So we are really, really grateful to learn about all those things. So thank you. Bring it on. I I know that the the website's been really quiet lately. I said to my diary entry people around me keep saying oh, i must be really quiet now they have no idea the second half of 2007 <laughs> has been insane and manic and strange right. and uh full of stuff that i'd really rather not deal with and i'm afraid to say the website's one of the things that kind of went by the by i hoped oh. by starting the website which i've enjoyed so much it's been a great way to directly communicate with fans and definitely the most effective way i could have found i was getting a lot of pressure or a lot of requests to do a, a fan club, you know, from people who wanted to run it and people who wanted to have a fan club. And I, I really didn't want to do a fan club because I thought that it, they're, they're, they're nearly never as good as they promised to be, you know, and, 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 and they're never free and it's, you've got to pay and then a lot of material needs to be generated. And so I thought doing the fan, the fan site, creating that, at least it would be free and people would feel that, you know, they were getting something. So if there was a quiet phase, then it wouldn't matter too much. I, I do need to update and I will. I will. Yes, because we're dying about those wombats, you know. We, oh, we, God. We, <laughs> Listen, <laughs> wait, I've got to tell you, the wombats are done. I'm sorry. I'm, there are no more wombats. Okay. I'm sorry. I, did, you know, I worked really hard on those wombats. Well, but what was the purpose of them, though? Just for fun, just to do those. I mean, why did you? If we felt like, oh man, we're like. I'll tell you what it was, and this is kind of sad. Yeah, I was told that it would be very unwise to put hints about Hallows on my site because we had enormous trouble on Half Blood Prince because I had put hints about it, and then it was argued in court by people who wanted to put the whole book on the internet or press people who had got hold of it and wanted to put it out early and. Um, they would, there, an argument would be, well, you put it on your, on your site, so we have the right to put it up as well. So I was told it would be very foolish to start putting chapter headings and so on up. I would, I would be weakening my own case against people who wanted to do spoilers. So then I started looking for something that I could give fans that wasn't foreshadowing. Although I hope you notice, sorry, I'm going off a, t- a slight tangent. Yeah. I was going to say to give fans stuff that wasn't foreshadowing book seven, but in fact, if you mm-hmm. were paying attention, Wombat 3 had loads of stuff from book seven in it. <laughs> and no yeah. one knew and no one realized, including the lawyers. Yay. So I win. <laughs> Yay. Yes, you do. You go, girl. That's Thank awesome. you. So, against so um, actually, there was, a, there was a whole lot of stuff in Wombat 3 that was taken from seven. And, it, and people picked up on it on some of it. I had some stuff in there about Gryffindor's sword and a few other things. So, Will you put up the answers so that people can can kind of figure it out you know i could i could put would you like that would that 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 would be fun (laughs) okay that would be cool it did amuse me i can't remember someone gave some site gave a guide to what you should be putting and i think people who followed their their um advice were not getting the top marks so Uh, 
anyway, there you I, go. Well, I mean, I got I got an O on all of mine. He did, uh-huh. really John, I'm sure. Did you? Well, the embarrassing thing is my husband only got acceptable, and he was in the room while I was writing the questions <laughs> and was listening to me telling him the answers. So uh, what that says about how much my husband listens to me, I shudder to think. That sounds very much like a Hermione Ron kind of thing. Yeah, yeah we have our moments, believe you me. Yeah, so he, he got an acceptable and then got discouraged and didn't take another one. Yeah, oh, that's very Ron. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of Ron Hermione. Yeah, did they graduate from Hogwarts? Yes, did they? Harry and Ron didn't go back. Hermione did. <gasps> Ooh, oh, my is that? Did you bet right? You must have. You, I mean, come on. No one. No one's going to think Hermione wouldn't go back. I predicted. Yeah. Of I course, did, she'd yeah. go back. She has to get her newts. Ron yeah, would. I mean, Ron was really done with schooling. <laughs> I think yeah. that um, you yeah. know it would be kind of tempting to go back just to just to mess around for a year and have a break. But he he goes into yeah. the aura department. He's needed anyone anyone who was in that battle on the right side. Kingsley would want them to help clean up the. The, I mean, anyone, uh, you know, who's old enough to do it, who's over age. But uh, Kingsley would have wanted Ron, Neville, Harry, and they would have all gone and they would have all done, done the job. And I think that that would have been a good thing for them, too, because to, to, to go through that battle and then be relegated to the sidelines, I think they would have felt a need to keep going and finish the job. So that would have been rounding up the... Uh, really the, the corrupt people who were doing a Lucius Malfoy and p- trying to pretend that they weren't really involved. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, we, we had all been thinking of these big complicated, we always overcomplicate things. Yeah, like, you do. You know, maybe maybe they that. do this distance, <laughs> they, they do this distance learning kind of thing where Quick they're working calls. on school from home. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Yes. We were imagining Hermione on the back of the dragon on the deluxe edition doing her newt. Yeah. yeah, we did. You know, it was funny. <laughs> no, she would definitely, definitely go back and she would want to graduate. And I think that she was, I mean, I love Hermione. She went with Ron and um, Harry because she has a really good heart. That's not about brain. Ultimately, she had a bigger heart than she had a brain. And that's saying something for Hermione. Um, but did she, was she naturally drawn to battle? No, she wasn't. She's not a Bellatrix. She's not, su- she's not a woman who actually wants to be hurting, fighting, killing, not at all. She would be glad to go back to school, be glad to get back to study, and then would join them at the ministry. Now, you know what I'm curious about now mm-hmm. is that one of the neatest things I think about the Hogwarts tradition is the entrance ceremony, you know, the, from the whole riding the boats to the castle to the sorting ceremony. What kind of uh, traditions is there for graduation and, and leaving Hogwarts? Do you know, John, I'm really glad you asked that because I felt a huge sadness that I wouldn't write a graduation scene. Yeah. You know, I really did. I knew, I mean, I knew from early days that they we were never going to see them graduate i knew that he would well not he that they all three of them would would not uh, we would not see them at school during what should have been their final year of education but i really during the final book i kept thinking it would have been i felt sad that it the book wasn't going to end with that feast scene the graduation scene but it couldn't you know it just couldn't that's not the way it could have ended it it would have felt far too trite and I mean, you know, a lot of people felt the epilogue was too sentimental. I think to have them, you know, a graduation scene on top of what had just happened yeah. would have been an absurd <laughs> bit of Aww. anticlimax. Did you have like ideas for kind of traditions that they would do? Like, you know, ride the boats back out of Hogwarts oh, or yeah, something? Definitely. Obviously, I don't, no, I'm not as no, good as thinking. No, I think the boats would have been the most poetic and beautiful way to get to, for them to leave. And um, symbolic in that they 
Harry wouldn't have seen the Thestrals again. You know what I mean? It would have been a, a return to innocence, really. And passage over water is so symbolic, um, in, you know, in history of, uh, of magic. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Really great. You've just, Joe, you've just hit on something that happens all the time here on Powdercast. John says he throws out some, some nonsense thing that he just thought of off the top of his head. It turns out to be accurate. And then it's the perfect thing. And it turns out to be accurate. I can't tell you how much he got right in Deathly Hallows. Well, I think I find that very interesting because I, it's, uh, it's often those things that just strike you like lightning that are the right things. You know, sometimes you have to work very hard for something and finally something shifts in your brain and you just think, yes, of course, that's it. But I love it. There's no better feeling than when it just comes out of nowhere and you think, ah, perfect, thank you. Don't forget to tune in next week, guys, for part two with J.K. Rowling. We've missed it. Dobby is free. I confess myself disappointed. So, yeah, um, that's that. And Merry, 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 Merry Christmas. Happy late Hanukkah. Yes. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is you celebrate, we hope that you're having a great one. And we will throw it back to the interview with Joe. Uh, we have to ask this or we'll get yelled at. Draco Malfoy. Did yeah. did he graduate and did who did he marry? It wasn't Pansy, right? Or was it? No, God, it wasn't Pansy Parkinson. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't love Draco, but I really dislike her. She's every girl that who who ever teased me at school. She's um she's mm-hmm. the anti Hermione. I loathe her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, sidetracked there by my no. latent bitterness. <laughs> awesome. Um Yeah, uh, he married Astoria Greengrass. Really? Check her name. Greengrass sounds it. familiar. Younger, younger sister of Daphne. So she's two years, two years younger than he was at Hogwarts. And you, yeah. Anyway, there you are. That's who he marries. Hmm. Speaking hmm. of Gryffindor uh, students, do you have the names of those two Gryffindor girls? Oh God! <laughs> you know on. I swear to you, I will find the damn notebook and I will put it. I will put it on my website. I will put it on my website. That will be my Woo-hoo. my gift to you. <laughs> Your, your, your whole notebook? <laughs> no, are you mad? <laughs> That's for the Scottish book. No. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. It's just so funny because this, this thing has been, you know, it's been like five yeah, years been, or something. Yeah, exactly. We've been, we've been talking about that for four years, I think it is now. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure it's not going to shatter the earth or anything once we figure out. No, I don't, who, to be honest, I really don't know. think it will because I never mentioned them no. once in the canister. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a funny little, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, the most important question: Did they sample a recording of uh, of your dog for when they did Stop. your website? Do you know what? I think you. I think they did. <sighs> I, my website is really. It's not. That's not my wallpaper. I would really like the opportunity to say my taste is not that bad. That's not good wallpaper. Awesome. And with no offense to the guy who did the design, but uh, loads of it's really accurate. Under the desk, all the I nearly used a very rude word. All the rubbish on the floor <laughs> and on the desk is, was taken from life. They took a photograph of my desk and its actual... Do you actually have a, a Do Not Disturb sign? Uh, do you know what I now do? Because I took one out of the Balmoral Hotel where I um, finished Deathly Hallows. So I've got a... Oh, awesome. I, I now oh, have a brilliant. Do Not Disturb sign from that hotel on my on the door of my study, yeah. Very I nice. don't know if you recognized when we uh, gave you that little basket in New York, we had done up some uh, Do Not Disturb I signs noticed. in the same design of your site for everybody it was very 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 cool thank you it was great seeing you all there that was the best event I, i've ever done i loved that event 
It was, it was fantastic so just being there for those for those moments and you were just on a roll joe you just Do you know the sense of liberation i cannot no one no one and i mean that maybe stephen king you know stephen yeah. king maybe knows what it feels like but i think that anyone who can Im- i mean how you cannot imagine what it feels like after 17 years to be finished yeah. both in, both in a good way and in a bad way it was so much part of my life now i know that millions of people feel huge ownership over the world now and that's a wonderful thing that they do they 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 simply can't feel it the way I felt it. I know where I was when I wrote every part of those books. I know where I was when I thought of Quidditch and I made up Professor Sprout. And all of these things are inextricably linked with stuff that was going on in my life at the time. And, and Harry really saved me during some bleak moments in my life. So it's been massive saying goodbye. But the upside, you saw the upside at Carnegie Hall. And that was, they. you can ask me readers can now ask me anything and I don't have to say you'll find that out in book five I can't tell you that yeah. it's important for the ending yeah. of book seven. Oh, what a good question yeah. what a shame you'll find out in the next book you know all that rubbish <laughs> which I know you know no author wants to be constantly putting people off when it's very flattering that they want to know but equally you know that the author knows how much pleasure you'll be ruining if you do spill spill the beans three years early right. so um yeah, but that night I was on a roll. You're right because I had the best questions and the most amazing crowd turned up. Uh, they were it, that was a really magical night for me. Magical, the adjective that we is were, most often used in connection with Harry Potter. Well, it's such a cliche, <laughs> yes. but it was that night was. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of questions still for you, Joe. Like stuff about that mysterious Department of Mysteries. Can you tell us what was that oh, yeah. love room? I mean, what, yeah, what, what was the, the love What room? was that mysterious room? We don't know what it, it was in the love room. Yes, it was the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Well, see, I told you I'm, I'm in Hufflepuff. You know, I'm not. No, no, no. I think I, the, it, what, what's in the love room is the place where they study what love means. So that room, I believe, would have at its centre a kind of fountain or well containing a, a love potion, a very powerful love potion. You know that the first time they ever enter Slughorn's potions yes. class, and he starts talking about Amortensia, the, the love potion, and he says it's the most dangerous one in the room. Well, that's what that's what they would have um, found in the love room. Awesome. So you would see wizards and witches taking it. They would study the effects. The room, of course, has to be locked. And, and you know, again, there's this thread running through the books, what love does, and it raises people to the heights yeah. of absolute heroism, as it in does. Lily, Harry, Neville. And it also leads them into acts of foolishness and even evil, which is Bellatrix and also Dumbledore. He, he became foolish. He, he lost his, uh, he lost his center, his moral center when he became infatuated. So that's what, that's what it does. That's what makes it dangerous. I mean, Bellatrix was, as I think is clear, but you know, I, I doubt that people will be particularly shocked to hear, because I'm sure they've deduced that Bellatrix is madly romantically in love with Voldemort. This is, you know, that's the yeah. obsession of yeah. her life. And I believe that Helena Bonham Carter had to be asked to tone it down after she was... <laughs> yeah. she, the, the producer called me and said, you know, give me some background on Bellatrix so we can, we can you know, tell Helena about it. And I said, well, of course, this is a, it's a sexual attraction. She's, she's madly in love with this man and obsessed by him. <laughs> Apparently, they had to ask yeah. her to bring it down because she was being a bit too sexy. Wow, that's so awesome. You know, you mentioned the movies. I mean, somebody who's most amazing in the movies is Alan Rickman as Snape. Yeah, definitely. How, how, 
he's he's so good how how soon did you tell him about his character i mean how much did he know uh he did knew he very early on that he'd been in love with lily because i told oh. him so we needed to have a conversation early on he needed to understand i think and does and, and does completely understand and did completely understand what where this bitterness towards this boy who's living proof of her preference for another man came from yeah hmm. yeah i told him that he was the only person who knew that for a long That's long time amazing. yeah he's so good you know snape is so amazing was was he truly meant to be in in slytherin snape yes god yes definitely at the time when he was sorted i i believe what dumbledore believes when he said he says to snape in the very last book sometimes i think we sort too soon to judge someone at the age of 11 to judge them, to set their future course so young, seems to me, me to be a very harsh thing to do. And it doesn't, it doesn't take it, it into account the fact that we do change and evolve. A lot, of, a lot of people are at 40 what they were at 11, having said that. So I think the sorting hat is shrewd. But Snape does redeem himself. And uh, yeah. it fails to take that into account. But then again, you could turn that on its head and say, but maybe with these people being sorted into Slytherin, someone who has the capacity to change themselves might also have the capacity to change Slytherin. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and how much is it that being sorted into Slytherin is, you know, sorted into good guys and, and bad guys here? Well, they're not yeah. all bad. That would, you know, I, I know I've said this before and I think I said yeah, it to I Emerson. Remember. They are not all bad. And, and, well, far from it, as we know, at the end, they may have a, they may have a slightly more highly developed sense of self-preservation than other people. Because yeah, I, right, yeah. it, a part of the final battle that made me smile was Slughorn galloping back with Slytherins. Yes. But they'd gone off to get reinforcements <laughs> first, you know what I'm saying? So, that yes, yeah. they came back, they came back to fight. So, I mean, I'm, but I'm sure many people would say, well, that's common sense, isn't it? Isn't that smart to get out, get more people and come back with them? Yeah. It's the old saying, there is Just no truth there any point of view. Mm. Yeah. Well, Sue, you had uh, started to get in, into the movies and, uh, yeah. and Joe was talking about being involved uh, here and there and things. Um, one of the things that uh, I know a lot of fans are talking about and is something that is, is sure to sustain all of the excitement and, and fun from Harry Potter is the upcoming theme park attraction uh, in, in Orlando. How strange you mentioned that. I was just looking at some things to do with that just right before the auction happened this morning. So I've been looking at stuff oh. to do with that today. Care to share? Well, yeah, I mean, we've all been wondering how <laughs> involved, you know, where, where you've been involved with. I know there's been rumors about some kind of theme park sort of thing happening for years. Mm -hmm. And to announce this one when they did recently, and everybody's dying to know, you know, what to expect and, and how much of it is, is going to have uh, the Joe touch. I would have to say a lot of it's going to have the Joe touch because I've been very, very, very involved, which has been amazing. And uh, Universal, I think I'm right in saying, and I know I may sound confused, but it is a very confusing issue, but I think I'm right in saying that these rights were Warner Brothers and not mine. However, Warner Brothers asked me, did I want it to happen? And I, I think they, they, they have been amazing in that respect. They, you know, as the underlying creator, as it's known in legal terms, as the underlying creator of the series, they, they, they came to me and they asked me what I felt about it. And uh, we... There were, there were a few things that I, I really wanted to happen if it went ahead. And, and the, key, the key thing for me was that if there 
was to be a theme park that Stuart Craig, who is the production designer on, on the films, would be involved. I mean, more than involved, that he would pretty much design yeah. it. Um, because I love the look of the films. They really mirror what's been in my imagination for all these years. And I just think he's done an incredible job. And uh, well, he's an Oscar-winning, yeah. very well-known guy in the industry so uh, it's not just me who thinks that and he did consent to get involved so it i truly think that walking into the theme park will be as close as you will ever get to walking onto the film set to, or to walking into hogsmeade better of course because it's 3d and you can walk around the corner and look at the back and you know that it's going to be quite incredible i i really believe that i think it personally i think it will be the best thing in, in its in the world of its of its type, having seen what I've seen. Definitely. I mean, we, we've been studying those pictures that they put out, those that, that artwork, and we're all very, very excited. It's extraordinary. You know, I can't, I mean, I've, obviously I can't go into detail about what they're going to do, but I, yeah. I've really seen a lot of stuff, and I think it's going to be wonderful and very well done, and I think that fans will not be at all disappointed, quite the reverse. Awesome. Joe, as long as you put in a good word for us to be the bartenders at the Leaky Cauldron. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult <laughs> yes. job, though. I think there's going to be a fair amount of traffic. <laughs> you might want to rethink that one. Yeah. <laughs> for like a day. <laughs> we'll make some butterbeer, yeah. take a picture, and <laughs> it'll be done. I, I have to, I had to ask you, it's a little thing, it's just been on my mind. What happened to Florian Fortescue? Uh, he was killed. He was, yeah, I know. I didn't I want that him. to happen. Bizarrely, my best friend, after I named Florian Fortescue, she went and met and is soon to marry a guy called Florian, which is very ah. bizarre because it's not exactly a common no, name, is it? And I, because of him, I was very attached to Florian Fortescue. But um, no, he, yeah, he died. He died. Why? Well, he's, he's an ice cream man. In the, the Scottish book yeah. will reveal. <laughs> there was more to that than than subsequently made it into the books. It was one of those little um, subplots that had to be sacrificed because it was not really leading anywhere. But I did have a subplot planned for Florian. Wow! And it was to do with the Elder Wand. So. I will I will definitely put that into the, the encyclopedia. Speaking of the Elder Wand. Yeah. Uh, can 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 we talk about wand lore a little bit? Absolutely. And- oh, Thestrals. Yes. I, I noticed there was immediate angst about the fact that uh, there was a Thestral hair in the middle of the mm-hmm. Elder Wand because people were say, people were saying, but Hagrid bred Thestrals, but he you know, he didn't. He just bred the Hogwarts Thestrals. <laughs> just to make that clear yeah. come on people there's a bigger world out there than Hagrid's backyard <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, exactly the only thing that Hagrid has ever created are blast ended scroots and I think we should all agree that he should never <laughs> attempt to create a species again so he didn't no he didn't create dragons or thestrals but he may have bred you know particular species um, members of the species uh, I've been told my, my Patronus is a blast ended that's what scroot, I think it so. is I don't know what that says about me. I can think of one yeah. thing it might say about you, but I, you know, I've never been in a room long enough oh, with you to talk. Yes, oh. Joe, that actually holds true, too. No. Hey, he not? loves burritos. Does he loves really? burritos. Hey. Let's not go oh, there. Oh, You're absolutely the burritos. That's a Pottercast thing. You know? <laughs> you know, we love food uh, yeah, on the show. We'll talk about food. Uh, <laughs> quite a lot. Um, but Juan Lore, can you go into more detail, uh, in a more detailed fashion the, the way that the way that the wands change hands and how different the Elder Wand is because fans are confused. Yeah, I, I am going to put up another update on my website about this and I have one half written. Essentially, I see wands as being quasi-sentient. You know, I think they awaken to a kind of, they're, they're not exactly animate. 
but they're close to it, uh, as close to it as you can get in an object because of, because they carry so much magic. So that's really the key point about a wand. Now, their reactions will vary from wand to wand. The elder wand is simply the most dispassionate and ruthless of wands in that it will only take into consideration strength. So one would expect a certain amount of loyalty from one's wand. So even if you were disarmed while carrying it, even if you lost a fight while carrying it, it has developed an affinity with you that it will not give up easily. If, however, a wand is one properly won in an adult duel, then a wand may switch allegiance and it will certainly work better even if it hasn't fully switched allegiance for the person who won it. So that, of course, is what happens when Harry takes Draco's wand from him. And that's what happens when... But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, Ron, the Blackthorn yeah, wand. Yes, from the Snatcher. Wand, yeah. So that would be sort of rough and ready, common or garden, uh, a wand favouring the person who had the skill to take it. It would favour them. However, the elder wand knows no loyalty except to strength. So it will, it's, not, it's completely unsentimental. It will only go where the power is. So if you win, then you've won the wand. So you don't need to kill with it. But as is pointed out in the books, not least by Dumbledore, because it is a wand of such immense power, almost inevitably it attracts wizards who are prepared to kill and who will kill. And also it attracts wizards like Voldemort who confuse being prepared to murder with strength. Interesting. Does yeah. that clarify anything? Quite, yeah, and we're looking forward to reading your thing on it too. We hopefully it didn't yeah. Uh, yeah, step on it too mess, badly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I have been asked a lot of times, well, be, you know, what about dueling club and so on? Well, I, well, I think it's clear there that in practice, where there's no, where there's no real weight attached to the transference of a wand, where it's almost done for fun or purely for a competition, there's no, you know, there's, there's no enormous significance attached in either wizard's mind to a wand flying out of someone's hand. But there are situations in which uh, the emotional state of wizards where, where a lot hangs on a, on a duel, that's something different. That's about real power. And that's about a transference that will have far-reaching effects in some cases. So I think the wand would behave differently then. Very cool. One one thing I wanted to I wanted to make sure that that we got to ask you in fifteen years time when uh, when the release of uh, Elvis Severus and the um, the Return to the Dark Forest comes out. Yeah, Albus Potter and the right. Yeah, exactly. And the book they said would never happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh wow! Did I not actually have a question? Was no, that just no. a joke? What a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> no. I'm fired. Go on. Go on. Fired. Come on, Melissa, well, save me. Well, how 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 much of the next generation do you have worked out? You'll see when you watch, or if you watch, the documentary that I've been doing. Oh, very um, cool. That I've been filmed for because uh, that I do talk about that quite Excellent. often. Yeah, I have a lot of the next generation worked out. You know, it's me. How could I not? <laughs> That's great. That was just too fun. We can't wait to see that. I know. I hope you enjoy it. The reason for doing it was a lot of people had come to me and said, we, we want to do a 10 years of Harry Potter special program. And, you know, they had all these different things. And uh, for once, I was ahead of the game. And a year previously, I had found a guy who I thought would just do a great documentary, a very honest documentary, someone I got on with well, which is James Runcie. And he's also an author. So he he really, you know, understood my life at a certain level that some interviewers don't. And 
so we were filming for a year and it it was good because I get, this was a situation where I felt as I do with the Scottish book that if you're going to do it then it should be done right and I wanted to do something honest and it was very nice to be able to answer questions on screen looking back at the full experience rather than still living the experience as it was going on. I can't wait to see it. So I think it's fabulous. I think people will just be thrilled. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. I think it, I think it will it will answer some questions, which will be good. And it's you know it's it's good to look behind the scenes in a way. And you see my hair haircut change a lot in yeah. a year. It's very weird looking back. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Well, we know that you're short on time. So I am. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's <laughs> Joe. You don't you dare apologize for anything. <laughs> this has been amazing. I've really loved it. I want to tell you one quick thing. We had a, a test before book seven came out. We gave uh-huh. fans 400 questions. Yeah. And we asked them to guess what would happen in the Deathly Hollows. And out of 400 questions, our top winner got 350 of them correct. <gasps> and he says his name is Ricky Carter and he's from Edinburgh, but I thought for a moment it might have just been your husband, but now after what you told us about the wombat. No, nah, there's not a chance it was Neil. <laughs> and I know he won't mind me saying that. <laughs> but yeah, 350 questions out of 400. That's, that is very, very impressive. It's what impressive. was his name, Melissa? Ricky Carter. Oh, okay. Good job, Ricky Carter. Yeah, good and job. No, that's excellent. You know, it would have been... I mean, people should have been able to guess a lot. Otherwise, I haven't done my job properly or I've cheated the reader. The clues were there. A lot of the clues were there. But I think there were surprises. I don't think many people expected no. Dobby. Um, oh. But I have very good reasons oh, for, do- for yeah. doing it. You know? Hedwig. Oh, I'm Hedwig's alive. Hedwig, Hedwig was part Phoenix. Come on, Joe. You haven't heard any of this? <laughs> Hedwig. Oh, dear. Do you know what? That is the thing... I've got to say, I I have virtually never read fan fiction. It's a tricky area generally for me, but it's those fan fictions that begin, because I've seen opening lines, those fan fictions that begin, my name is Lily Potter, you thought I was dead, you were wrong. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh Great opening. (laughs) So there are so many that start like that out there. There must be one out there somewhere. My name is Hedwig. As I fell through the icy night sky. Yes. Yeah. You were wrong. Yeah. You were wrong. There's a lot of there's a lot of theories about Hedwig, but all in all in fun, all in the idea that that yes, we know she's you know. No, that's cool. The fun stuff is very, very, very funny. I have frequently laughed myself stupid reading some some things. Letters I get are yeah, they're amazing. Well, oh, Joe, will you oh. promise that you'll come back? Do you know what? I will promise that because I would love to come back. I've had so much fun. Thank you so much. So much. Wow. <laughs> We've had an awesome time. It's been great. I've had an awesome time too. So I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas or whichever other religious festival you are keeping. Thank you. Well, you know how we usually wrap the show up, Joe? We, we took a little inspiration from you and um, we end it like we end uh, the Potter Watch. You love that. Um, yes, we so, did. Did you like Potter Watch? We, we had very big grins on when we read about the Potter Watch. Poor Fred. <laughs> Poor, Poor Fred. Fred. I, I know. Poor Fred fans. We didn't even bring up Fred. Whatever. Next time. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. John, I've got my hands over my face and John's like, whatever. <laughs> I love Fred. There's a pet armadillo named Fred even. I know. I mean, I was torn up about charity after all this, but... <laughs> Until next time, guys, keep twiddling those dials. 
The next password will be Hawkery. Keep each other safe, you faith. Good, Good night. night. We've missed it. Toby free. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> This had better not be about house elves. Joe, it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Joe. Hello. Hey, Joe. Hi. <laughs> what? House elves. Go Joe. on then. Still, still. Well, they are still arguing about this, and I'm sick of it, and we need you to answer it so well, bad. What I'm telling Sue <sighs> is that if she remembered from when we talked about this in New York, yeah. Joe said that Helga, Helga Hufflepuff was a plantation no, owner. refuge. <laughs> of the house refuge. refuge. R-E-refuge. Oh, she didn't enslave them. Yeah, Joe. it's a complicated they, issue. Well, you know, I... I would say that Hufflepuff gave, Hufflepuff did what was uh, the most moral thing to do at that time, and we are talking about over a thousand years ago. So that would be to give them good conditions of work. There, there was no kind of activism there, so no one's going to say, "Here's an idea, let's let's free them, yeah. let's uh, let's <laughs> pay them." It was just, well, we'll we'll bring them somewhere that they can they can. Um, work and not be not be abused yeah but she, she, see but you she did not go around with like a whip and say yeah you must work in the kitchens you know right <laughs> no definitely not that would not be no, see? no not, joe. thank you joe okay okay well let's go into this further joe we are about to get ready to start a recording here we can talk about this for longer if you want you want to join us for a show well i've got nothing better to do